This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. So, uh, made a long hike up here, obviously, for the beautiful view. I know the sun's in your eyes, but, um, I don't know, just shade or maybe uh, try to bear with it. Inshallah, after this talk's over, there's going to be a sunset to watch, which will be very nice, and we'll move on down to Melbourne. So, we're up here for a reason. Uh, but first, obviously, we have to listen to our lecture by Shirin Abdul Nasser Jungda. Just uh, a little background information. He was uh, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. He studied in Karachi, and now he is, uh, he's running a Palam Institute, and he's also, uh, he helps with teaching at Bayina. So please uh, give it up for Shirin Abdul Nasser Jungda. Before we get started, I was just thinking uh, that would be really, really typical of us, right? We are up here at such a beautiful spot and somebody would still complain like, but the sun is in my eyes, right? So that's part of nature, people. All right, deal with it. So no, it's really nice. Uh, we were here last year, and alhamdulillah, we were able to hike up here and have a talk up here. And it was, uh, it was really nice, mashallah, I remember it. Uh, it kind of stuck with me, actually, just a few days ago. I remember the really nice scenic spot that we had a talk last year as well. Um, I think the tea for taqwa, mashallah. It's <laughs> <laughs> really, really uncomfortable. Uh, so I, I like to walk around while I talk a lot of times. Every single time I would cross by, I would read the shahada again. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Walk back again and say la ilaha illallah. Alhamdulillah, it's uh, it's good to see everybody here. Um, uh, Mina is. I know this is. Uh, I'm only here for a shorter amount of time than I was last year, so I want to go ahead and get the opportunity to say this properly. But these camps and these gatherings are unbelievable. They're absolutely amazing. You know, Alhamdulillah, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, you know, blessed me with the opportunity to regularly be in places and settings and gatherings or conferences and seminars, classes, courses, intensives, you know, year-long programs. Uh, where I get to be in a good environment and get to benefit from the, the just the iman boost that a person receives in such an environment, and the the spiritual uh, nourishment that a person's able to achieve through these types of gatherings in this environment, and I have to say by and far over the last couple of years, all the different settings and the different opportunities I've had to be in such a spiritually nourishing environment, mina camps are definitely at the top of the list. Um, it's a really, really amazing experience. I, you know, for the very first time, I always tell people, I grew up a very long, long time ago. Um, so I'm, I'm a pretty old guy. Um, and then too, um, around this area, especially that long ago, we didn't have camps and things like this. So I never really had experienced Mina for myself. And then I was off studying for a long time and I came back and was busy with my family and the other obligations. It was probably about, Two years ago that I got to, three years ago, three, four years ago that I got to experience a minicamp firsthand. And I was absolutely blown away by, alhamdulillah, what an amazing 
opportunity it was and what an amazing environment it was. That just in half a day, I felt like it just helped me um, really gain, gain some perspective about myself, about life, about Iman, about Islam, about everything in life. And um, so it's a really uh, a huge blessing to be here again. And I only say this to you guys so that you guys value the opportunity you have. You take this um, opportunity very seriously. Uh, because it is an amazing opportunity and and so take it from me from an outsider's perspective when I come here You guys probably are happy that I'm here, uh, but I'm actually happy to be here myself and so uh, It's a real huge blessing and I was able to bring my family this time and I've I've been telling everybody at home I've told my wife. I've told my family members. I've told friends uh, That I can't wait till my kids are old enough to actually attend Mina camps and uh, they can actually come here and uh, benefit from the environment because it gives you the opportunity to take ownership of your deen. All right? You, when, you're not here listening to a lecture. You're not here praying. You're not here doing anything that you're doing because the whole family's going and mom said, I have to go too. You ever had that happen? Family night at the masjid? The potluck at dinner at the masjid? You have absolutely no inclination to go. You have no motivation to be there. But the whole family's going and your mom says, you have to go. You have to go. No, you can't stay. No, you can't go to your friend's house. No, you can't hang out. You have to go. But this is you. This is all you guys. This is on your own. And your camp organizers and your counselors are people that are basically within the same the same realm as you. They're, they're similar to you. They're former campers themselves. And so, alhamdulillah, it's a real huge blessing. Now, my topic was... What is an artist without the brush or something like that? All right? I don't know. They had somebody very creative working with the program. Last year I came and they're like, talk about prayer. And this year it was like, it was like my session description was like a poem. All right? I had to sit like with an English major and have to decrypt it. But, uh, so, no, alhamdulillah. Um, so, calm down. This is my session. All right. That's my younger one. She has a habit of interrupting me whenever I speak. She sabotages everything that I do if she's there physically herself. Mariam, she's cool. She just chills. Aisha will sabotage. So, um, but, and it's, I, I, I thought it was very poignant. I thought it was very poetic. I thought it was very beautiful. Because at the end of the day, an artist could be extremely talented, could have all the potential in the world. You know, I'll use an example that I'm not, I'm not, an artsy farty person. I don't. I never was that great at drawing or painting or anything like that. So, uh, I, I really can't relate to that example. But I'll talk about sports. I apologize if sports aren't your thing. Um, but yo, Michael Jordan, as as amazing as he was. <laughs> I just saw somebody taking a picture of him yesterday at the Bobcats game, so he's kind of stuck in my head. But, um, you know, Michael Jordan, as amazing as he was, needed a basketball to show you how amazing he was. Otherwise, he was just a tall dude. Yeah, I mean, if Michael Jordan without a basketball was just a tall guy who was dressed really nice. That's what he was, you know? Um, you don't take anything, for example. Last night, I was watching the highlights uh, last night that uh, Drew Brees, the New Orleans Saints quarterback, he broke Dan Marino's single season record. He threw for the most yards any quarterback's ever thrown in a regular season. Well, Drew Brees is awesome. But Drew Brees needs a football 
and somebody on the other side of the field to show you how awesome he is. You know, and same thing for an artist. Um, my brother-in-law is an unbelievable artist. I mean, he could probably draw this whole scene right now, what you're looking at, in five minutes he could draw this whole thing intricately. He's an amazing artist. But he would need a pen, a pencil, and a paper, a piece of paper, to be able to show you how talented he is. To actually put his talent and his ability to use, to realize his or her potential. Everybody needs that tool, that resource. Similarly, understand that as Muslims, and as young Muslims, as youth, you have an unbelievable amount of talent. All right, the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith, he says, that people are like gold and silver mines. People are like gold and silver mines. Think about that a little bit. You, that might not make sense to you. Uh, you know, the, what the Prophet is saying is that a person is like a diamond store. The Prophet is saying that uh, each and every single person is like a diamond store. Is as valuable as a diamond store. Has the potential that a diamond store has. A store full of diamonds. All right? That's how much potential each and every single person has. They're capable of so much. They can do so much. They can accomplish so much. But we got to bring that potential out. You know, um, I know this will be a little bit. I talked about sports. Now I'll talk about jewelry. All right? This will be pointed at the sisters a little more. You'll relate to this. You know, gold, silver, diamonds, whatever it may be. All right? Whatever somebody's taste might be. Um, that's something that's very valuable. It's something that, of course, people love, and people love to receive as gifts, and people, you know, they, 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 they try to go out and get these types of things. But, you know, when gold comes out of the ground, what does it look like? Does it look really nice and pretty? No, of course not. It looks like a piece of, it's like a rock. All right? When gold comes out of the ground, it looks like a rock. And if somebody came and handed you that gold in its raw form, like it looks like a rock, somebody gave it to you as a gift, here you go. Happy birthday. What would you do? Take it and throw it back at them. <laughs> Happy birthday to you. <laughs> so that's, that's what you do. It's, 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 you don't know what to do with it. But that same, go, that same rock that you throw back at that person, that same rock eventually becomes that watch, that necklace, those earrings, that ring, that is extremely valuable, that you would pay hundreds of dollars for, maybe even thousands of dollars you would pay for that same rock. But after it's been melted down, it's been cleaned, it's been purified, it's been shaped and crafted and molded and polished and shined and put in a nice box, and then when you look at it, then you're ready to drop 800 bucks for it. So that's the difference. It was prepared. It was refined. So each and every single one of you, being a human being, gives you potential. Being young gives you even more potential. And then being a believer, being a Muslim, I mean, I know those are cliches, but the sky's the limit. The sky really is the limit. So everybody has so much potential, but just like a painter, just like an artist, just like a basketball player, or a football player, or a race car driver, who is extremely talented at something, but a race car driver without a race car is just a dude. There's nothing special about him. But once he gets behind the wheel, then he can show you what he can do. So we all have so much potential. 
but we need some tools, some resources that allow us to realize, to show our potential, so that our potential, our talents can manifest themselves. We can show what we're made of. We can actually show what we're capable of. Now, that's, that's, I feel that's a topic in and of itself. And we could talk on this for some more. I, I actually really enjoy talking on this topic and motivating people to go out there and to realize their potential. But we have a very specific focus of the session here. And the focus of the session is specifically in terms of us as Muslims and as representatives of our faith and our way of life and our deen, in our religion, Islam. That, what are the tools that we need? Just like that, that artist needs a pencil or needs his brush, the painter needs a brush, the artist needs the pencil, the race car driver needs a race car. As Muslims, as representatives of our faith and our religion, our way of life, deen, Allah, Muhammad, Quran, as representatives of all these things, what do we need? What's our pencil? What's our brush? What, what, what do we need? What do we require at, a most basic at the most basic level? And I guess before I even get there, one thing that should be cleared up, and I'm pretty sure you guys are clear on this. You know, from what I've been told, this is the national retreat, right? This is a leadership retreat. So you guys probably have a pretty good idea about this. But nevertheless, it's always, the reminder always benefits the believer, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran. So, we are representatives of Islam. That's not something that's optional. You know sometimes when you sign up for something and they tell you some things are not optional? When you rent, uh, when you, when you rent a, uh, an apartment or a house or a car or something, they take out a certain deposit. They put a certain amount of hold on your credit. And that's not optional. That's not optional. Then after you do that, then they ask you, would you like some insurance? Would you like to take out some extra insurance on the car? That you can turn down. Some things are optional, some things are not. Alright? You ever try to sign up for something online? And you can say, it's asked, would you like to be sent regular emails? And you can check or uncheck that box. But then at the bottom it says, I agree to the terms and the conditions stated above. Can you go to the next page? Can you register without checking that box? No, that's not optional. If you don't check that box, it's just going to make you cancel your registration. You cannot. Similarly, as Muslims, there's one thing that is not optional. And that is representing our faith and our religion, Islam. That representation, alright, is not optional. We have to. We automatically do. It's just, it's just it is what it is. And at the same time, what we'll talk about a little bit later, what we'll come to terms with is, that's not... It is a responsibility, but it's not something that should demoralize us. It's not something that should dishearten us. But nevertheless, we have to accept it. We represent Islam. We represent Islam. You know, and a little bit of real talk. Some of you might be a little too young for this. Um, but nevertheless, I think most of you will benefit from it. You know, the, the current climate, uh, the current environment, whether it be in politics or media, whoever you, you, know, you want to point the finger at, where Muslims get uh, Muslims get picked on a lot, right? We get blamed for a lot of bad stuff that we're not even responsible for. We get picked on a lot about a lot of different things. You ever get frustrated with the fact when uh, they catch a guy robbing a bank, all right? And he was robbing a bank because he was a bad person, or he was robbing a bank because he desperately needed money. But what they'll focus on is the fact that he was a Muslim. 
But then when somebody else gets caught, caught robbing a bank, they'll just say that, they'll, they'll just say like an African-American male or a Caucasian male or somebody of Hispanic origin was caught committing this crime, but they won't talk about his religion. You ever notice that? And it frustrates a lot of us. I always see the little messages, like the little posts on Facebook and on Twitter, like, I wonder what his religion was. Right? Muslim kids are frustrated. Young Muslim people, Americans who are Muslims, they're frustrated. Right? That why is it that we're always being pointed out? While that might be unfair and that might be wrong for them to do, it also brings to our attention a very important reality. And that is that's something special. That's something we actually have to embrace about our deen, about our religion. That we can never be separated from Islam. We never we will never be separated from Islam. And that's actually something to be grateful to Allah about. You know, I, I won't just be simply known. I'll never be simply identified as somebody from Dallas, Texas, of Pakistani origin. I, I, like my parents are from Pakistan, Pakistani ethnicity, and from originally from Dallas, Texas. I'll never be solely identified as that. I will always be identified as a Muslim. And whether I do something good or bad, that's always going to be part of the story. And it's, it's, there's a blessing in that as well. And that's something to be grateful for, that we are permanently, intimately attached to our being. A Muslim is attached to Islam. And people will see Islam in the Muslim. And they will identify Islam within the Muslim. And that's something we have to learn to embrace. So now, having said that, we all have so much potential. We can do so much. And we have a huge responsibility and a great opportunity. All right, And that's we represent Islam. We represent our deen, our faith, Islam. But now what do we need? in order to be able to do that properly. One of the basic tools and the resources we need that we just can't work around, that's, again, it's something that we can't compensate for by doing something else. You know what I mean by you compensate for something? Right, again, I apologize, a lot of my analogies will be sports analogies, it's a shortcoming of mine, but, you know, if somebody, somebody doesn't have a great shot, they can compensate for that, right? They can compensate for that. They can learn how to pass the ball really well. So they pass because they're not a great shooter. Or they go inside and they learn how to kind of get inside and crash the boards and things like that. You can always compensate for something. But a lack of knowledge is something that you won't be able to compensate for. If you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know what you're talking about. You can't make up for that some other way. And so it's very important that we know our deen. You know, we as an ummah are supposed to be an educated people, an educated ummah, an educated nation. We're supposed to know what we're talking about. Particularly in terms of our deen, our religion. You know the very first revelation of the Qur'an? The very first word of the very first revelation, the very first word of the first ayat that were revealed of the final revelation, the Qur'an. Can anyone tell me what that very first word was? Uzikra. Read. And then throughout the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala emphasizes this point to us. People that are given knowledge will have high stages, high levels, high status in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what happens when they wash too much door. All right, so. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
sad tragedy today, and we're going to have a little bit of real talk in here. It's a real huge tragedy today that that's not the case. The average, common, typical Muslim knows very little to nothing about their own deen, about their own way of life. You know, we complain a lot. We complain a lot. When people, and there's always troublemakers, there's always some bad people out there who just like to make trouble for making trouble. I'm not absolving them of any wrongdoing. But we complain a lot about when somebody misquotes the Qur'an or takes something out of context or somebody says something about Islam that is obviously incorrect. Let's use the most common example today. People say, a lot of allegations are made, people say that Islam equals terrorism. <clears throat> right? You hear that a lot. You might see it in the media, you might see it in the news, you might hear somebody saying it. Right? And there's certain politicians or groups or people out there saying things like this. Islam equals terrorism. All right? Islam equals violence. Now I'm going to ask you guys, I want everybody to answer. Does Islam equal terrorism? No. no. Of course not. No. Does Islam equal violence? No. Of course not. We know that. But at the same time, it frustrates you, right? Why do they say that? Why don't they find out what Islam actually says? Why are they always quoting things wrong? What? And sometimes you hear somebody calling themselves an expert on Islam, and they'll be saying all this horrible, terrible stuff about Islam, and you're sitting there obviously realizing everything this person says is wrong. But wait a second. I'm going to take a little bit of a... I want you to survey yourself. That's a good way to put it. I'm going to ask you to survey yourself. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a question, not call it out. Because the purpose of the exercise is not to embarrass anyone. Not at all. Alright? It's not to make anyone feel um, inadequate in any way, shape, or form. But I'm going to ask you to survey yourself to ask yourself a serious, honest question. You all answer. Islam is not terrorism. Absolutely not. And do you believe that, everybody? Yes. Absolutely. Ask yourself if you, could, if you can, right here, right now. Off the top of your head, quote an ayah of the Quran which establishes that. And you can tell me what chapter it's in, what surah it's in. You can tell me what ayah it is, what verse it is. And you could translate it and you could explain it. One piece of solid evidence. Not to yourself. To yourself. Someone's like, I don't know. No. To yourself. All right? And my point is this. Again, this is a select, mashallah, special group of young people. And uh, we, you know, like I told you, I, I, I'm, I'm inspired just by seeing y'all and being in, in y'all's company. But at the same time, if, when you ask yourself that question, can you, right off the top of your head, quote an ayah of the Quran, 
and translate it and tell me the surah and the ayah number and explain it. Just one verse, one ayah that establishes the fact that Islam is not terrorism. And if you can't do that, if you can kind of sort of do that, if you can barely do that, if you just can't remember right now, or I got it written down somewhere, or I think I heard it in a lecture somewhere, or if I had a Quran, then maybe I might have been able to find it. Then you obviously realize that's not a good enough answer, is it? I can be upset all day long with a non-Muslim for not knowing my religion. But wait a second. What did I just say? They are a Muslim or a non-Muslim? Doesn't that mean they're not a Muslim? I'm upset with somebody who's not Muslim for not knowing Islam. When myself as a Muslim and as somebody who's angry about people not knowing Islam, I myself barely know Islam. You see the problem with this situation, guys? See the problem with this scenario? That's what we're dealing with right now. That's our situation. <coughs> we're upset with the whole world for not knowing Islam and what Islam says. But we don't know either. We don't know either. So you see, we're, we're, we're like that race car driver who says, I'm an amazing race car driver. I just don't have the car to prove it to you. Right? I'm Michael Jordan. Yes, I am. All right? The camera does its own tricks. All right? I'm Michael Jordan. I don't have a basketball to prove it to you. So right now, we're walking around telling everybody, we're Muslims. And Islam is awesome. Therefore, we are awesome. <laughs> Simple math. All right? I just don't have the knowledge to establish it for you. I just don't know my religion well enough to actually prove it to you. Quran is a word of God. It's a miracle. I'll just have to get Sheikh Abdul Nasser on the phone to prove it to you. <laughs> that's, that's where we stand right now. Right? And, and again, my purpose to say, of saying this is not to put y'all down or to beat on y'all at all. I, I told you, I look up to you guys. I admire you. All right? I, I, I'm inspired by you guys. Because you guys are going to be the ones. I'm standing here talking to you. Y'all are going to be the ones talking to my kids. Inshallah. Everybody say inshallah. But at the same time, if I am honest, I am sincere, and I do actually care about you guys, then I will be real with you. I won't beat around the bush. And that's where we stand right now. So, yes, we're Muslim, we have Islam, and we're awesome, and everything's awesome. Problem is, we just don't know it. And we, don't, we, we can't actually establish or prove it. And so we got to turn this around. We got to turn this all around, inshallah. And we have to start learning our religion. We have to start learning our religion. It's not optional. This is what I started off by saying. It's not optional. We got to. And this is something Allah SWT commanded us. The very first command Allah issued was? Maybe not. The very first command Allah SWT issued was? Iqra. Which translates to? Read. Read. Iqra. The Prophet of Allah SWT actually says in a hadith, an authentic narration, that seeking knowledge is an obligation upon everyone, man or male or female, that calls themselves a Muslim. Muslim or Muslima. If you claim that, if you want to live up to that standard, you want to prove that you are, then you will learn about your religion, you will learn about your deen. 
All right. Now, what are some of the basic things that we can learn about that we can start off? Because giving a talk like this is fine. It's good. It provides some perspective and hopefully it motivates you to learn. But where do I start? I always like to be able to provide some practical, you know, first steps. All right. Some action items where you can get started from. So where can you start this journey from of learning about your people? There are two basic things every Muslim needs to know. There are two basic things that every Muslim has to know. Number one, every Muslim needs to have a basic reading and understanding. A basic understanding of the Quran. You might say, yeah, that's kind of big, guy. All right, 114 surahs, right, 6,000 plus ayat. That's kind of a lot. Start somewhere, though. All right? But every Muslim needs to have a basic idea of what the Quran is about. And I'll give you a few practical tips on how to start accomplishing that. Number one, every believer, every Muslim should have a translation with, of the Quran with them at all times. Absolutely. And today it's a lot easier than it used to be. Well, you guys are students. I see so many backpacks here, uh, even up here on the mountain. I don't understand why, but all right. No, you're taking notes, mashallah. But I see, I see backpacks and stuff. So you're used to carrying books. Adding a little translation to that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. All right. And and just in case, if you're like me, where you're even lazy about carrying a book now, all right. All right. Some of y'all might not have these devices yet. And if you don't, your parents are wonderful human beings. May Allah SWT bless them and reward them. Say Ameen. There we go. Alright? Because my kids aren't going to see a phone until they're 18. I'm just joking. So... So... So, you can carry a translation of the Qur'an with you at all times. And have a regular practice of reading the translation of the Qur'an regularly. Number two is I, I, I would strongly recommend in person first and foremost, if nothing else, you try to attend a regular class on the meaning and the understanding of the Qur'an. As fast or as slow paced as it might be. What you will get from a person of knowledge who has invested a lot of time into learning and studying the Qur'an You'll, you'll end up getting what you would have to read eight different books to get, right? Our tafsir sessions, that's what would happen, right? These guys know as well. That's what happens in the tafsir sessions. We go and we read 10, 12, 15 different books, squeeze it together and present it to you in a nutshell. So attend regular classes on the understanding of the Qur'an. Whether it's called dars, whether it's called tafsir, whether it's called halaqa, whether it's called class. I don't care what it's called, but it's a class on the meaning and the understanding of the Qur'an where you got somebody explaining the Qur'an to you from a more scholarly, knowledgeable viewpoint, point of view, alright? So attend a regular class, alright? Most of you, I'm hoping, and I see a few, you know, I, I know some of you, and I see a few shirts, and right, a few, some of you like to mark yourselves, and things like that, so, you know, um, a lot of you might be from communities where you do have those opportunities. An imam, a sheikh, or somebody, right, who has a regular class, and attend that regular class. Make a commitment. But it's every single week. Oh, God. How painful. I have to take out one hour a week to go learn about what Allah is saying to me. Right? So attend the class. Have some commitment. And over time, you will, you will only appreciate years later what you gained in all that. 
All right? And another little note. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. All right? Everybody, you know, you know, typically when you go to a class like that, especially younger folks, I, I was in your same shoes. Don't worry. I'm not criticizing you. I, I've been there, done that. All right? We tend to kind of walk away from the class saying, like, it's aight. Like, oh, whatever. It's kind of lame. I don't know. I didn't learn that much. Well, yeah, you didn't learn that much because you were sitting at the back of the masjid, right, with your legs out, checking your phone while you were listening, updating your Facebook status. At a tafsir class right now, booyah. Right? So it's like, so that's what you were doing while the actual lecture was going on. That's why you didn't learn nothing. That's why you didn't feel it was that beneficial to you. But mashallah, what I see a lot of you doing, and fine, if you're more of a listener, where you listen and you absorb, that's fine. I completely understand your perspective. But at the very least, some of you literally take notes like, there's a sister somewhere right now who wrote down the word booyah when I said it. All right? Some of you take notes like that. Right? May Allah forgive you. Everybody say Ameen. Very good. That's my new thing, by the way. So, but at the very least, if, even if you're not a note-taking type of person, you would rather look and listen and absorb, that's fine. But at the very least, what I do recommend is you just get like at least a small little notebook or you open up the notes application right, in your phone or email it to yourself or something, right? Don't write down a whole lot of notes. At the very least, whenever you sit in any lecture, write down two, three basic points. Three lessons that you learned from that lecture. Three points, that's it. <coughs> Lesson number one, that, you know, we represent Islam. Lesson number two, it's very important that we know what we're talking about when we represent Islam. Number, lesson number three, he said booyah, right? I don't care what it is. But at the very least, write down something. Take three basic notes down for yourself. But note something, and then let some time go by, stay consistent with it, and then go back and look at those notes and tell me if you didn't learn something or not. Tell me if you learned something or not, right? So, the very first thing I was telling you that you have to practically learn is the Book of Allah, the Qur'an. For learning the Book of Allah, have a translation of the Qur'an with you at all times. Number two, attend a regular class or a halaqa explaining the meaning of the Qur'an. Alright, very important. And thirdly, and I'm providing this as a resource to the people who might not have a class available to them on a regular basis in their area, whatever it is. You know, I, a few weeks ago I was in, uh, I was in Ames, Iowa. Right? So sometimes people do live in the middle of nowhere. So if that's your situation, you live in the middle of nowhere, um, then Raleigh, North Carolina. So no, but no. Raleigh's pretty awesome, mashallah. So if you do live in the middle of nowhere, then maybe you don't have an opportunity, you don't have a resource available to you. So I want to provide a resource for you. And even if you are attending your weekly class and you'd like to supplement it with something, something extra, I'll provide this third resource to you guys as well. And that is, alhamdulillah, myself and uh, Brother Noman as well, we regularly give tafsir classes. Um, and myself, actually, I've been giving a weekly tafsir class for about 11 years. Every single week for 11 years. A couple of years ago, um, I realized that there was something called the record button. And so we started recording them. And alhamdulillah, what we do now is after they're recorded, we put them online, we upload them for for free. It's just there. Alright? It's in iTunes. It's on the Bayina website. Um, it's just there. Right? It's 
their, their podcast, basically. But use it, download it, benefit from it, take it, do whatever you want with it. And we're working on it, we're chipping away slowly, but steadily, alhamdulillah. The whole 30th juice has been completed. Half of the 29th juice has been completed. Um, currently, what's going up every single week is Surah Yasin. And then after that, we'll also have Surah Maryam, which I did over the summer. And then this summer, inshallah, we'll be doing Surah Taha. But it's, and I'll, I'm going to pick up, inshallah, in about a month or two, I'm going to pick up the, third, uh, the 29th juice and finish it as well, inshallah. So those resources are also out there. Download them, listen to them, do whatever you want with them, inshallah. But that's just an extra supplemental resource. The website for that? Bayina.com slash podcast. Play it. So that's the first thing. Learn the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The second thing that every Muslim needs to learn about and needs to have a minimal level of knowledge about is the life of the Prophet What we in Arabic, the prophetic biography, the life of the Prophet What in Arabic is called the seerah. Have you ever heard that word, seerah? It's the life of the Prophet Every believer needs to know this. Definitely. And see, the Qur'an and the life of the Prophet is what will help you live your life more like a Muslim and will allow you to represent and inform others about Islam, share Islam with others in a more educated, informed fashion. Alright? So you need to learn about the life of the Prophet The actual biography, the prophetic biography. And so, like I told you, every Muslim's got to carry a translation of the Qur'an. Every Muslim should have a regular study of the life of the Prophet what I recommend in that regard is, I recommend that you start reading a seerah book. A book on the life of the Prophet There are a lot of very, very amazing resources, classical resources, traditional resources in the Arabic language. Um, there are, maybe not, all right. <laughs> so, so, so they, um, there's a few in English, alhamdulillah. And so I recommend that you start picking them up and reading them. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> You keeping that on? We're recording this on the Minute website. What? Can we do this on the Minute website? So, the life of the Prophet Start reading a book about the life of the Prophet God knows how many hours y'all spent reading Harry Potter. Right? And then, uh, alhamdulillah, how many hours you've saved not reading Twilight? Hint, hint. Don't read it. All right? Makes you stupid. All right? <laughs> <laughs> Among other things. So, but read a life, read a book on the life of the Prophet There's a few basic books in English, just so you've got some resources to write down. One very basic book that's written in a very storytelling type of format. It's got a few concerns in there. I realize that I know that, but I don't think I don't think it'll really be a, a problem for you guys. It won't be problematic to you because you're not reading it or researching it academically. 
But I do think it will be helpful if this is the first thing you read because it, it tells the story in a very, very beautiful manner. And that's a book called, um, I, I, I forgot what it's called exactly. <laughs> no, the lengthy, it's got a lengthy title, but basically it says Muhammad. The author's name is Martin Lings. Martin Lings, L-I-N-G-S, Martin Lings. All right, Rahimahullah, he passed away some time ago. He was a Muslim, uh, you know, uh, he was from the UK, from England, and he was actually a professor of the English language of literature from Oxford, and he was a very, very knowledgeable person, mashallah. He wrote a beautiful book on the life of the Prophet It's called Muhammad and his life based on the earliest teachings. It's got some lengthy time like that, but it just says Muhammad real big on it, and the author's name is Martin Lings, L-I-N-G-S. That's a very short book. You'll, you should be able to get through it pretty quickly, inshallah. Yes. Is the cover like a blue color? Like yes. Blue color? Okay. Yes. Absolutely. Um, secondly, uh, once you get through that, another very valuable book on the seerah is called Ar-Rahiq Al-Makhtoum, which is called The Sealed Nectar. The Sealed Nectar. Like I told you, the Martin Ling's book is very good because it tells the story very nicely. It's like a narrative, right? The Sealed Nectar is a very good book because it gives you all the factual information. It's got names, dates, places, people. It's really, it's, 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 like re it's like reading an encyclopedia, right, in that way. It's not very lengthy, not too long for a person to finish, but at the same time, it's very factual. And once you're through both of these books, then a third resource that I would recommend then after that, which kind of merges the two, it's got the names and the dates and the places, but it's also telling the story, but it's a little bit thicker and longer, and that is, it's called Muhammad, Man, and Prophet. Muhammad, Man, and Prophet. And the author's name is Adil Salahi. Adil Salahi. All right, so these are just a few resources in the English language that are available that you can start reading. There's a lot of others, like the Shifa of Qali Ayyad has been translated as well in different things. But these are a good place to start from, inshallah. At the same time, again, you're going to read one book, right? One book. But no, 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 Alright, so you're going to read one book if you attend a weekly class, a regular class, with a scholar, with an imam. He's going to read ten different books, books that are not translated into English yet. Books that are not translated into English yet, and he's going to present all that to you. So attend a regular class on the life of the Prophet Number three, as a third resource, just in case you don't have a class in your area, or even if you do have a class, and you'd like to supplement it, because I always used to, I always talk about the importance of studying the life of the Prophet And I used to get asked this question that, well, what do you recommend? And since the resources in English were so limited, I used to feel bad making recommendations. So I decided to, I used to conduct this before about a few years ago. I did it for about three, four years continuously. And then I put it on hold. So Alhamdulillah, I started a class, a weekly class, on the life of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The class is broadcast online live every single week and at the same time it's recorded and it's podcast the recordings are out there for free on the website in iTunes and the name of that website is qalaminstitute.org q a l a m institute.org qalaminstitute.org all right slash podcast and you can get the recordings there the book of allah the life of the prophet everybody needs to know 
Everybody needs it. And that, that's our brush. That's our race car. That's our basketball. That's our football. That's what allows us to show people what we can do and what we're capable of. Then we'll truly, properly, in an informed, educated manner, we'll be able to represent Islam, inshallah. All right? Now, as a concluding point, what I wanted to touch on was once we know our deen, once we get to understand and we start learning the Book of Allah and the life of the Prophet then we have something very important to take into consideration. I want you to listen very carefully, alright guys? Because young people are starting to fall into this trap. Alright? Many of you, a couple of you, mashallah, you took our, you know, they, they studied with us for about a year. Um, sister was with us during the summer, mashallah. And uh, many of you have attended different seminars and programs and classes and courses with us. But a problem that's starting, and it's, a, it's always been a problem, it's a universal problem. And we, I, I'm starting to notice it manifests itself here with us again. Alright? And that is, sometimes we become obsessed with knowledge for the sake of knowledge, for the sake of knowing it. I want you to understand one thing very clearly. Knowledge is only as good as its implementation. Knowledge is only beneficial if it's implemented, if it's practiced, if it's put to use. If you live it, if you breathe it, if you walk it or you talk it. Like if you know 18 ahadith about akhlaq, but you yourself have horrible character, that's called non-beneficial knowledge. That's un that's, that has no benefit to it. Alright? You know we often say there's knowledge and then there's information. If you don't practice your knowledge, it's information. That's incorrect. It's still knowledge. Oh yeah, better, def definitely, it's still knowledge. But the distinction the Prophet ﷺ made was, it's either beneficial or it's not beneficial. Ilm nafi', knowledge that benefits, that actively benefits, ilm and knowledge which does not benefit, non-beneficial. So what is the distinction, what's the difference? Knowledge that makes you a better person is beneficial knowledge. The goal, the purpose of seeking any knowledge is to become a better person, to become a better slave of Allah, to become a better father or husband or daughter or son or brother or sister, community member. It's supposed to make you a better person. And if knowledge doesn't make you a better person, then like the Quran says, you're like a donkey with, a book, with, a, with books on its back. And with us, it wouldn't even be a lot of books. It would just be a couple of books. Right? Then, then it's completely without benefit. There's no point to it. So, understand that when we do seek knowledge, and we have to, then what does the intention need to be? I want to live it. I want to act on it. I want to practice it. I want to walk it, talk it, breathe it. And I want to represent it and teach it and share it to others. Because without that, it's without benefit. Always ask yourself that question. Whenever you sit down to learn anything, what's your intention? And it better be to become a better person by means of it. And when you're done seeking knowledge, then after some time, go back and check yourself. What have you done with what you learned? What have you done with what you learned? I completely forgot about Zainab. Zainab studied with us for a year, mashallah. Right? What, what have you done with it? Huh, Zainab? What did you do with it? I'm just joking. All right? But you got to ask yourself, what did I do with it? Did it actually make me a better person or not? Did I improve because of it or not? And that's very, very important. Alright? And lastly, and this connects everything together, because remember I told you guys at the very beginning of the talk, 
What do we not have a choice about? What is automatic? As soon as we say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, what is automatic? We represent Islam. We represent Islam. That's not a choice, that's not an option. You know how this all comes back full circle? People will take an impression of Islam. People will learn about Islam, will form an opinion about Islam and Muslims. Not so much based on what we say, or what we write, or what we type, but because of the way we act. The way we walk, the way we talk, the way we behave, the way we engage with people. Our behavior will dictate, will determine their impression of Islam. That's one thing that's very important. And you see how it comes back full circle. We represent Islam regardless. We can't represent if we don't know. Once we know, we have to practice. And when we practice, guess what we end up doing a good job of? Representing Islam. Representing Islam. Alright, inshallah. I realize I've been yelling and screaming and ranting and raving for a while. So, I'm going to stop. I'm, I know we've gone like 25 minutes past your attention span. But, uh, <laughs> nevertheless, Jazakumullah Khairan for sitting and paying attention and uh, dealing with the distraction of my kids risking their lives. Uh, <laughs> I, I really, really appreciate, mashallah, your patience. Again, I, I like to joke and I like to kind of, you know, poke and prod and mess around. But honestly, it's unbelievable, mashallah. I cannot tell you how much I admire you. Um, you know, I'm an old dude. I have nothing better to do than talk about this stuff. Or to listen to a lecture or to give a lecture. I'm an old boring guy. You guys are young, energetic, amazing people, mashallah. Have so much potential. Have the world at your fingertips. And you took out part of your vacation to come to a camp focusing on your deen and your relationship with Allah and to focus on your religion, on, on Islam and on Iman. And you're sitting here on a beautiful day like this, in a beautiful play, place like this, listening to somebody talk about Islam. Y'all are a bunch of losers. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> All right? No, mashallah, I'm just joking, right? It's, it's unbelievable. Your commitment, mashallah, is amazing. I just want you to say one, I want you to realize one thing. Credit for this, I'm giving you credit for this, but you need to give the credit to? Say Alhamdulillah everybody. Alhamdulillah. It's all the praises for Allah. And Allah SWT made this possible. Be grateful for this. Thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. And these blessings will continue inshallah throughout your life. Thank you. Allah Akbar. So we're actually, the way we rearrange the schedule, we're actually ahead of schedule now. Um, so I'm thinking we could chill here a little to watch the sunset. You did that on tape. was like, that's so romantic. All the girls like yes. All the guys are like. Everything. Okay, so we can chill here.